you know, so many creative folks that turn their creative passion into a job spend so much now of their full-time job doing that thing. Me as a photographer, I had it as a hobby. I loved it. I turned that hobby into a full-time job. So, so important to develop, uh, those kinds of hobbies. And now if you aren't working as much, um, yeah, take up a new hobby. <laughs> I mean, that's always, uh, I hate saying that. Like, well, get a hobby. It's way easier said than done. But, you know, I think this is sort of a time for that. Welcome to another episode of The Photo Report in the midst of this fun confinement that we have of COVID-19, the coronavirus, and trying to be an encouraging voice to all of you to really use this time as a gift. And we are generally so busy with our lives, with our work, with our gigs, with our families. And we've been given this sort of gift of a refresh, a restart, and trying to bring on people that are just really solid voices in general, but then also people that can be an encouragement to you. And today have on Sam Hurd, who is, well, I've just recently become acquainted to, a lot of you've known his name for a long time, but I've, I've known of him, but we just met recently at, out at WPPI and really loved his philosophy behind things and would, you know, he's doing a lot of cool stuff and thought we'd have him on the show. So Sam, welcome. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Going good. Um, I can't believe WPPI. So that feels like so long ago. Right. And everybody kind of is is experiencing the same time warp, but I literally can't believe that was just a month ago, month and a week or just, something. I mean, Five can weeks? you imagine, yeah, think of being in a, a Las Vegas hotel with thousands of people now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I remember it being on my radar. I had actually, I'm, I tend to be addicted to Reddit. It's definitely a vice that I'm trying to work on. <laughs> and uh, and actually, uh, that hopefully I can remember, I'm going to plug a product that's not mine at some point that's really helped me uh, stay off social media as much. But um, yeah, I, I had already started purchasing like provisions even before WPPI. And I remember thinking uh, like on the flight, like, huh, should I bring my mask? But I didn't because it just wasn't really a thing. And then maybe it was two weeks after WPPI when it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to go to my next conference that was supposed to be in the UK, like straight up have to cancel that. I'm not going to be able to go to the conference after that, which was supposed to be in Sweden. (laughs) It's like crap. (laughs) Oh man. Time has changed quickly. Yeah. So what, what is this time like for you? You obviously, so tell, tell us for people who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about your, like your history. Obviously you've, well, not obviously, sure. but you've been a wedding photographer for a long time and yeah, almost yeah. 10 years. Yep. Yeah. So yep. tell us, I, tell us what you do and who you are. Yeah. I primarily a wedding photographer in the DC, Baltimore, it's sort of the DC, Virginia, Maryland regions. And I grew up in Virginia originally. So, um, been up here for quite a while, been doing uh, Sam Hurd photography is like a wedding business for, uh, yeah, about 10 years. I started doing uh, press work uh, at this place called the National Press Club, which is basically a country club for print journalists. <laughs> uh, and to keep the doors open, they they rent spaces for people at press conferences and all that kind of sort of DC newsmaking type of event stuff. So I started there right after college uh, shooting those kinds of events. And then a co-worker of mine asked me to shoot her wedding because they had a really small budget. And she knew me from work and liked my photos from you know the press stuff that I was doing. And that kicked off my wedding photography 
uh, passion, really. I, I, I was, I think, built in a lot of ways to be a wedding photographer ever since that very first wedding. Weddings are the only thing I've ever tried to shoot. I, I've done a huge array of different genres, a lot of like portraits and headshot type stuff. But like all of that has just come as a result of people knowing me as a photographer, not because I tried. Weddings are the only thing I try to shoot and feel really um, fulfilled doing. So uh, aside from all that, I guess a couple years into doing weddings, I used it as sort of a space to experiment a lot in terms of photography techniques and just sort of started doing a lot of education um, alongside that, uh, you know, working full time about 40 weddings a year. I started doing maybe 10 or 15 workshops a year. Um, and then, yeah, over, I guess now the most recent two and a half years, pivoting that into more of like an online education space. So um, doing all kinds of stuff, basically, <laughs> that's that's it in a nutshell. But um, I feel very fortunate that, you know, particularly using something like Patreon uh, started a couple years ago. Once this whole work from home thing really kicked off, I, I was really well positioned. I had all the infrastructure and sort of audience built to, to lean into doing more at home content. Um, yeah. So it's been an interesting time observing everybody else kind of, yeah, just doing what, what you're doing now, literally, literally starting podcasts and YouTube channels and everything they can to kind of keep their themselves occupied and sort of enrich the community, whatever niche they're in. So for people that are not uh, yeah. super familiar with what Patreon is, maybe you've heard of it, but what, how, like, what is Patreon for? Yeah. And how do yeah. people find you on Patreon and, or why would somebody find you on Patreon? All that stuff. It's, it's a double-edged sword. It's like the best thing in the world and the worst thing in the world because it's a little confusing, especially if you have no clue what it is. Um, but it's a company. That, it was actually started by a musician um, from the band Pomplamus. Uh, I've never listened to their stuff. They got pretty big. They got known on YouTube uh, just from making awesome music videos. And uh, um, the, there, there are two people in the band. One of the main, the guy in it, the front man, one of the front, whatever, uh, was really frustrated with all this money they would sink into making these well-polished music videos themselves and then making not even close to enough to cover their expenses. So he sat down and co-founded this idea of Patreon, which is a, um, a, a just picture a feed of content, just like any other place. Um, but you pay to access different aspects of that content. So you can set up different tiers. You can have just one tier, but essentially you attach a dollar amount to that tier. And then people that want to support that are charged monthly. Um, and then you can post stuff exclusively to that tier that only your active supporters have access to. So for musicians, it's amazing. I think, even though I've seen a pretty slow adoption rate from musicians, uh, I think it's perfectly suited to, you know, like share stuff from an upcoming record that you're working on, like slow bits of demo ideas ideas and scratch takes that, you know, again, they're only behind this paywall. And at the same time, like people that are supporting you feel invested in your process as a creator. Now, when you do finally launch your new record or whatever thing it is, uh, they feel like they contributed to that, um, in a way. So anyway, it's it, tons of musicians on there. Lots of YouTubers, uh, podcasts are on there, illustrators. And for me, I just saw it as a great opportunity to do, um, photography, but not in like a, here's my photo, like support me making this photo. That doesn't really make sense for me because I have clients hiring me to do it anyway, <laughs> wedding clients. So I, I lean into like the educational, here's a photo. I tried something new. It, it was really well received. And then here's a, like a deconstruction, a step-by-step -step of how it works. So essentially people are paying to access that kind of content on an ongoing basis. 
And um, yeah, it's it's it takes a lot of the complicated technical legwork out of it. Like that's where Patreon as a company is set up. You just create your page and then uh, you start posting stuff to it. <laughs> so they handle all billing and all that kind of stuff, but it is really on you, the creator to promote it as something that exists. You're not going to get found on Patreon as a thing. It's not like its own little social network. You really have to leverage your audiences and email lists or whatever from elsewhere, pointing them back to your Patreon at the end of the day. But in your um, Patreon, just, we find you patreon.com slash Sam Yes. Yeah, exactly. Got it. And so, and you just filmed a course recently and put in a full comprehensive force, which is ultimately your, what your in-person workshop would be, but now online. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. So, uh, I went through like a day or two, um, sort of stressful panic. I'm sure the way everybody has kind of, I'm sure that's hit everybody at some point in different phases. <laughs> and I sat down and realized like, you know what, I have my full day workshop. I had it made into a video, you know, a couple years ago, but that's sort of out of date now. And I decided like, why don't I just set up a new tier? It's a little more expensive, but you know, people can leave after they watch all the videos or they can stick around if they want. Um, so I did basically a live stream broadcast of about 10 hours of content and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it, uh, the, all of March proceeds I'm donating to, uh, well, half of it to doctors without borders. And then the other half of the proceeds I'm donating to quote a photographer in need, which I'm going to post details about, uh, sometime this month and basically just have an open submission for people to write a personal essay about, you know, what they've experienced in their business and, uh, just put it to a vote, uh, from my patrons to decide who, can be granted the money basically be about $2,000. So that, that was a catalyst, like create this uh, live stream of my entire workshop so I could use some of the money to give back. Um, and then also give me something to do for two weeks. Cause it was a lot of work. I was doing these live streams every other day and then also give uh, photographers something edifying to escape the stress of the news or the, you know, the stress of rescheduling wedding clients and all that. Cause I'm going through as much as I do online content and educational stuff, I work full time and with weddings. So I've had 10 weddings have to reschedule and have to talk to every single client individually to navigate that. And I had two clients cancel outright. So I had to, you know, walk the delicate sort of, am I going to refund their deposit or not? And I'm dealing with all the same stresses that other photographers are. <laughs> and I know how great it is to have like an outlet. Um, I don't have any other Patreon creators I follow closely, but I have tons of podcasts that I do support on Patreon that I listen to as an escape. So Right. Yeah. Highly recommend people go and check out your, if you're interested at all in some more education and you don't follow Sam, you could follow him at I am the Sam on Instagram and go check him out that way. But I wanted to just get more into like, what are you doing during this time? And, and more so as a way to, are you doing anything on the creative side? Are you doing anything on just an outlet side? Like what are you, how are you coping with this time as a way to maybe we can then talk through how can other people use this gift well? Yeah, so I'm reconnecting. One of the things I did, I guess about two weeks ago when it was really uh, starting to hit like peak anxiety for me was sit down and like message, literally go through my iMessage, scroll back like three years, four years of conversations and message old friends that I just had lost touch with as many of my old friends from college or high school or whatever, and getting married, have kids. Like I just hadn't talked to them in years. And I figure this is a good time to reach out and just catch up and just let them know that I'm thinking about them. And 
you know, hopefully provide just an avenue for communication if anybody's feeling completely overwhelmed or stressed. So I've been reaching out to a lot of friends, having kind of nightly FaceTime sessions with not just friends, but of course, family. My sister's in Texas and she's going to have a kid in a few months. And she's pretty stressed that, you know, my mom and I may not be able to come for that, which would be pretty upsetting. So I'm trying to reinvest a, a good bit of time into just, you know, reinvigorating my personal relationships um, doubling down on just that back catalog of sort of uh, weddings I never got around to blogging, streamlining sort of things in my workflow that I've been meaning to do forever. There's a really, really great piece of software that came out middle of last year called Dot Photon Raw. Uh, but if you're familiar with JPEG Mini, it sort of does that, but for raw files. So I've got like these big stacks of hard drives um, from 10 years of weddings that I'm trying to work through uh, those really large raw files and just compress down so that I can just put everything in the cloud. Just sort of those tasks that are never mission critical to like keeping the business going, but are really helpful to have streamlined and just off your plate. And um, and then at the end of the day, just uh, trying to relax and like write music and other sort of creative, uh, you know, I grew up a musician and uh, wanted to do that full time for a short stint, <laughs> uh, but never was able to. But now, you know, I've, I've got some extra time to to really do that. And, you know, I, I, it seems like a lot of people are kind of waking up to that. I was just on the phone again with an old friend of mine yesterday for about an hour and a half, two hours catching up. And he was saying, you know, he's got two kids. And I was like, oh, that must be really overwhelming. They're age like one and three. So they're, you know, pretty, pretty intense and uh, aged like they're always needing something, I'm sure. And he said, oh, this is amazing, actually. Like he's a doctor for one. So like, I think his job security is, is fairly strong. Um, and two, it hasn't hit that hard yet in, uh, in Texas, the whole, uh, kind of wave of hospital stuff. So for the last week and a half, they cancel all the elective surgeries and he's been able to just stay at home with his kids. He's like, I can't think or imagine a time where we would have had this much time with our kids every single day until like we're retired and like living a life of retirement. So, you know, and, and they, at least their three-year-old kid is going to remember this hopefully as, uh, um, as you know, without the stress, because I'm sure they don't understand the concept of a pandemic, but they understand dad and mom being home every single day. So they're investing a lot into their family as well, which is great. But I don't have kids, so I can't really speak to that. Um, and cooking a lot more, too. I've been uh, notoriously uh bad at, at high quality eating, and I found that, yeah, without the the urge to go to a restaurant because I can't. I'm doing a lot more cooking with uh, my partner, Nessa. We live together and she's also a photographer and uh, it's been really great to just sort of have meals actually at the dinner table instead of in front of the TV and just other kind of shifts like that. Uh, when you have now this entire new schedule in front of you, like, you know, especially if you had an office job every single day, now you've got this wide open schedule. This is the time to shake things up and really uh, double down on whatever, like your, your diet or your exercise or, or whatever. And when you're, you're forced to be out of your day-to-day -day routine and create new routines, you know, don't spoil this. Uh, if you want to think of it as an opportunity, um, like embrace it with some new structure and something new that you'll do in the morning at nine o'clock instead of getting the car and go to work. Um, so I'm continuously trying to do that, <laughs> but I've had my bad days where I just didn't want to get out of bed, but, um, yeah, overall it's been highly productive. I feel busier, even though I'm not making as much money, I feel busier than I have in a while. <laughs> no, I, I feel that as well. And one of the things you and I were talking about before we started rolling was just the idea that it's like, 
when when everyone's busy, so often everyone you hear is like complaining about how busy they are. That's the first thing that would come in someone's mind. It's like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, busy. I'm busy. You're yeah, busy, yeah. busy. And it's and it's almost like said almost sometimes with a badge of pride. For me, it's always I I don't like that aspect, and I've realized it as not a helpful thing. And I'd rather be efficient versus busy. Yeah, but instead of, you know, like we're complaining about being busy and now we're complaining about having too much time or not having work, which is ultimately the opposite of busy. So now you've been, it's like you get to have this thing that you've been wanting so long, but I think now people are complaining about that where the mind shift and I am such a huge proponent of how much our perspective, how much the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves about other people, about our situations, they impact us in such major ways. Mm -hmm. And what you were just hitting on a second ago was this idea of like, you've got this opportunity to completely start over in so many different ways. Um, I'm reading a book right now, The Power of Habit. Have you read that one? No, no. That, uh, it's it's have, beautiful. I, there's a, a favorite podcast of mine. It's called Cortex. It's a little more tech oriented, but it is about uh, productivity. Uh, there, there, There's a professional podcaster who does podcasting full time that is on it. And then the other guy's a professional YouTuber. And they're both highly productive and really, uh, anyway, they, they talk about that book uh, quite a lot. Yeah, but but so much of it, it's talking about how habits form and it's about routines. And right now you have this opportunity to start new routines yep. in your life, whether, you know, what you're whether they're health routines. And I know Nike and Reebok both are offering all like so many online activity sports workout situations are now free that were behind paywalls. Just like you've got all of this opportunity to start over and start fresh. Yes. Yeah. What what are ways that you outside of music, um, I mean, another topic we can go down is like burnout. Like how do, how do people use this time? Well, well, one of the things I knew I was going to forget it. I'm glad I wrote it down. Uh, that a lot of people I think struggle with the addiction to the, you know, their computer yes. devices and stuff. And yeah. uh, I certainly do as I, I, I started to become aware of it as a problem when I'd return home after traveling. Cause I would, it's higher points in my travel career, uh, for teaching workshops. I would literally be gone. Like, uh, every every day but a weekend in a month and mm-hmm. I would notice when I would come home I would be completely attached to my phone because that's all I'm doing when I'm traveling I'm checking my phone for travel updates for booking stuff and I'm just like in an airport boards so I'm working on my phone whatever uh, so uh, one of the tools that I bought is actually called the K-Safe and it's kind of silly and it might seem extreme but I just had to admit to myself that I need something like this to mentally detach and it's I think it was originally invented more for like diets to like put the cookies in so you can't eat them but i put my devices my ipad and my phone and uh it's a device that is you know rigid hard plastic that uh, has a little wheel on top you set a timer up to multiple days you can do up to 90 days i think on the timer you click the button and it locks and uh you know i'll do this for like 12 hour uh, chunks of time or something like that. And I lock my phone up and there's no override. There's no pin override. There's literally nothing you can do to get into that box, no matter what, unless you break it open with a hammer or a drill. And again, that might seem a little extreme, but for me, the little like Apple, uh, like enter a pin code to prompt you when you've been using something for X amount of time, like you just type your pin code and you break through it. There's, (laughs) I need that disconnect. And it literally feels like now the device is out of my home. And that's really powerful because I just, my brain now starts uh, taking that energy that's sort of constantly in the distracted, like, what can I do on my phone mode? And the energy is now diverted into other things around my home, which is filled with 
you know, books and instruments and cameras and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so the K safe, I, I can't emphasize enough how much it feels like, uh, like a force has been lifted off my brain when that thing is locked away. And you still have to have the discipline to lock it up, <laughs> which again, it could be a problem, but you know, and if you're worried about an emergency or something like that, uh, I have my Apple watch for 911 or something. That's about the only reason I could uh, justify not putting a phone away in something like this. But um, sorry, I just wanted to plug that because no, that's it, really I, great. How, so how do you, do you have a certain time of day that you, all right, it's got to go in the safe by, 8 p.m. And then now you can be present with, you know, whoever's at your house and yeah, your, yeah. Uh, I don't do well with um, sort of systems in terms of timelines. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. Right. So I don't have like a, a regimen. It's, it's just sort of like if it feels right after a dinner that, you know, we had a great meal and, you know, we, none, of, none of us have any meetings or anything to do. Like, yeah, let's lock them up. Like, do you want to lock our stuff up? Sure. We, we just kind of go day to day and feel, yeah, we don't, we don't stick to any specific schedule. Uh, again, anything in my life that I've tried to systemize with that kind of schedule is bad. <laughs> It never worked. Um, but I do try it and, and like I've been running a lot more than I have. And again, it's not like I wake up and run at nine o'clock, but at some point in the day, like I have just this goal in the back of my head, I should go on a run. And I've been you know able to do that uh, pretty consistently given this, this new state of things. And, and, you know, this is kind of nice. It's correlating uh, this time, this, the situation with nicer weather coming out. So of course you want to be outside anyway, we're finally getting some nice days. So um, yeah, that, that's been kind of two big releases for me. And then again, just playing music and, and kind of doubling down on that creative outlet in general. Uh, we were talking earlier about you know, so many creative folks that turn their creative passion into a job spend so much now of their full-time job doing that thing. Me as a photographer, I had it as a hobby. I loved it. I turned that hobby into a full-time job. There's a void there now. You need something to still remain a hobby that uh, hopefully is still sort of flexing those creative muscles, but in a different vocation. Um, so I've been really grateful to have music to always do that. Nobody hears the vast majority of stuff that I write. I just make it for myself. And I feel really happy when I get a new song out. And uh, I don't have to share it with anybody. It's only accountable to me and how much I enjoy it. And it's fun. And it's so, so important to develop uh, those kinds of hobbies. And now, if you aren't working as much, um, yeah, take up a new hobby. <laughs> I mean, that's always... Uh, <laughs> I hate saying that. Like, well, get a hobby. It's way easier said than done. But, yeah. you know, I think this is sort of a time for that. Totally. I mean, you could, you've wanted to learn a music, an instrument. You're like, when am I going to have the time to learn an instrument? Now there's a lot of different, like, musician, and there's so many different cool programs and apps that make that easier, like learning a language, getting, you know, taking, are, are you doing, do you take any courses ever? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I use creative live courses for uh, mixing, like audio engineering type stuff, like learning various uh, plugins that do like compression or EQ or just like various kind of mixing tools. That's that tends to be what I use. And creative live, there, there's so many different places you can find that. But I find mm -hmm. that creative live has is a pretty good filter for quality. Uh, they tend to be pretty high quality. Yeah. And you seem like a guy that is fairly techie. Do, are you do you have like your favorite tool, like let's, let's think back to photography or even just like productivity or anything like that. Any, any apps or programs oh, or yeah. tool, like you, you talked about pick time earlier as a way to automate like the way that you do that. Um, are there, other, and I mean, you talked about photon raw as a way to do that. Are there any like cool 
things yeah, that you use? So many. Okay. So one of my absolute favorite things, it's a little bit, it can be super easy or it can be insanely complicated. It's this, it's an app called Better Touch Tool. I believe it's only for Mac OS. Uh, and I have a tutorial about how to set it up the way that I use it. But what it essentially lets you do is override any keyboard shortcut to do anything you could possibly imagine. So I've optimized mine really well to override Lightroom commands. So like, for example, when I hit the F key, my mouse automatically goes to an X, Y axis on my screen that I have preset to be where the exposure slider is. And so now I can just hit the F key if I want to jump to the exposure slider at any time. And I've got the A key go to white balance. So I've basically accumulated like a list of 15 different keyboard shortcuts that let me, without having to ever touch my mouse, jump around and edit without even really needing to look at my keyboard. Like I can edit solely focused on the screen um, with insane efficiency, but you can even do like cascading uh, commands. So you could say, okay, when I hit the Z key, move my mouse to this location, then left click, and then move my mouse to this other location, then left click again, and then like click and drag. Like you can actually create a workflow of commands that it executes. Um, And then there's a uh, you know, many people now own newer MacBook Pros with the touch bar, that the digital screen that like nobody uses for anything because Apple just didn't implement it super well. Well, better touch tool <laughs> has something called uh, Golden Chaos, and it's this preset thing that some guy made in his free time. Let me make sure that's what it's called. I'm pretty sure it's called Golden Chaos. Hold on one second. Do uh, but Golden Chaos basically like yeah GoldenChaos.net. It leverages Better Touch Tool and creates a completely reimagined uh, touch bar that gives you, again, shortcuts if you want, but like way better views of your weather and music control and shortcuts to just jump around like crazy. So you could seriously install Better Touch. I think it's pay what you want or it's super cheap to buy Better Touch Tool. And then you can like customize it for hours on end. And uh, once you start to do that and develop the muscle memory of the shortcuts that you've created boom like you i can literally sit down and edit i don't i i wish i had timed myself back before better touch tool how quickly it would take me to edit like a wedding now i know i can edit a full wedding call it down and edit in less than four hours from five thousand images down to about a 800 to a thousand i i I edit the 800 or so and then deliver them within four hours. Uh, yeah, better touch wow. is insane. And I, I can't say enough about it, but when you, when uh, there is a problem though, like because you can do almost anything you could possibly imagine with it, a lot of people get like, uh, what's it called? De- not decision fatigue, but like decision paralysis. Like they don't even know where to start. Right. <laughs> so just start super yeah. easy. Just any repetitive task that you can see yourself doing as an editor. And again, this sits on top of the entire OS. It doesn't have to be specifically for photographers that use Lightroom. You can control your mouse and key commands in any app. So think about those repetitive tasks that you do. Uh, even if it's as simple as a key combo that requires like three or four buttons to be pressed at once, map that to your tab key and bam, uh, it just, it starts to slowly alleviate and chip away some mental headroom so that you can focus on other things. And again, develop muscle memory and how you use your tools. Uh, a lot, I can't say enough about it. So that's one, that's probably the biggest one I could point you to. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And then how do you use PickTime? Yeah. And pick, so PickTime is a is your photo hosting yeah, yeah, gallery. Mm-hmm. And they have they have a lot of things that enable you to sell, yes, correct? Yes, yes. So I 
pick time came, they're a newer gallery host, you know, similar to I'm trying to think of the other most popular ones like a shoot proof or uh, pixie set or smug mug, all those kind of, you know, you need a way to deliver the high res files to your, your clients. Pick time came around a couple of years ago. I tried to use them and they weren't quite, uh, doing enough and they were a little bit buggy. So I switched back to my previous host and then I, they came on my radar again at a conference late last year around October. And they said that they were rolling out this idea of an app store for their pick time. I was like, what, what are you talking about? I don't know the app was the best word for it, but think of it as like a, like an automated workflow. Um, so they call them apps, but you can go into their little app store of workflows and pick one. So for example, they have one for abandoned shopping cart. So yeah, okay. You've delivered your pick time gallery and there's a store interface for all the photos you've delivered. They can download their photos or they can also order prints or albums or whatever. But this app, if you install it in that store, will automatically recapture and email uh, users that have stuff in their cart but never checked out. All you have to do is install that app and that workflow and boom, it will do that for any app that it's assigned to. Uh, They have other apps for... um, uh, I created one with them uh, around December because I've had this idea in my head forever, but I had no idea how to execute on it. It's the idea of uh, basically charging clients to keep their own galleries online. <laughs> so I had the classic problem of, you know, I, I still pay to keep my client galleries online from 10 years ago because I just sign up for the unlimited plan and I just leave them on indefinitely. But, you know, that's not really practical from like a lifetime thought like I'm not going to keep them online for life. And I think, you know, about a year or so, maybe two years is a reasonable amount of enough time that maybe clients should, the onus should be on them to have their photos backed up and, you know, do what they want with them. So this app, you can customize all aspects of it, but it's pre-configured to um, uh, assign it to whatever gallery you want. I have it set to then after a year of the gallery existing, it automatically emails them saying, Hey, within two, two weeks now, your gallery is going to expire. Would you like to, um, pay uh, on an annual subscription base to keep it up. 60 bucks, it equates to five bucks a month. Again, you can customize that value if you want to make it cheaper or more expensive. But now clients have the option of keeping their galleries live. And, you know, it comes with some pre-written language that I wrote to kind of sell them on. This is the best place to experience their photos. Anybody they've ever shared links with, with friends and family, like now those links will still work. And clients are now paying uh, to have their their galleries hosted, uh, which is great. So I... uh, expedited the rollout of the app. It wasn't released until about a week ago, a week and a half. Um, I was just kind of getting lazy about it. But now more than ever, I think people can uh, value diversified income streams. <laughs> and I and I emailed, uh, you know, 400 of my weddings from the first eight years of my career and said, hey, you know, your gallery's online. Here it is. Uh, if you, It's going to be gone in two weeks. Uh, here's a way to subscribe. Uh, you build annually and everything will stay up. And so I was able to blink into existence a couple thousand dollars that now I can actually anticipate to some degree. I'm sure some people will leave next year, but at least I know some amount of retention will stay and, and I, you can start to anticipate that. And, uh, you know, I'm just loving uh, the, the creative kind of business solutions that people are coming up with like that. I, I think this is the time to sit down and sort of reflect on creative ways to utilize you know, your back catalog of wedding clients, you know, whether it's that like what I just described or maybe something as simple as you know, pre-purchased gift cards for family sessions back when social gathering is okay again. <laughs> uh, yeah, like right. you know, just go crazy with those kinds of concepts, brainstorm. And 
Yeah. So PickTime has made it very easy to leverage you know, like these custom apps that you can build. And they have pre-built a bunch, uh, including some other tools. It's probably not worth getting into right now, but other photographers have created their executed on their own ideas, just like mine to do other, uh, yeah, just creative things with, with your online galleries. And by the way, I don't work yeah, for them at couple, all. Yeah, Some of these go. products, it might sound like, oh my God, right, Sam's totally. getting paid to say this. No, no, no. These are just tools that I use and I like to talk about them because I use them. Love it. And yeah, I think we, we had an episode a couple bit ago with Jai Long, you know, just was talking about selling albums right now and selling prints and just there's, yeah, again, we have this time where usually we're pretty busy, but it's like catch up on a lot of these albums. Maybe it's, maybe it's weddings that people didn't, you know, you can either go back and email about prints and run a sale and sell some photos just for stuff that work that you've already done. Yes. I, I like the idea. It's like, it's work that you've already done, but yes. now you can still, you can make money from that I've, one I've instead of it just sitting there. Like, you know, I'm outputting 5,000 images a wedding, you know, edited down to another 800, like good, awesome photos. Like what other potential is in that, uh, you know, massive amount of work that I've already, that I'm doing, uh, and, and already done. And again, that's sort of what led me to Patreon as a concept, because I can take a lot of photos from those galleries and break it down for people from an educational perspective. But you're right. I mean, this is, and people are sitting at home, like your clients that you, you know, they have their full gallery. They probably haven't opened in a couple weeks or a couple months, depending on how long ago they got married, like nudge them to look at that. Like, this is a great time to sit down uh, grab some wine and it, pick out a dozen photos to order as prints because they probably haven't yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good time to capitalize on that. Totally. And just last a little bit, because then we can let you go, but with Patreon and think, I know a lot of people that listen have either run their own workshops or have considered or done some sort of education, but in regards to, let's say someone decided, okay, I've got some time, like everybody else right now, and no one's going to be able to come to one of my live workshops. What, what are ways that someone could just as a entry level getting into Patreon? Cause I think again, like the decision fatigue or the overwhelm of starting, you know, <laughs> can feel really big and be like, how do I like, never That's, start because it seems yes. like I would have to do so much to start. Like what would be a good uh, entry level? In to terms get of into the it? literal content, I don't know. It's probably easy enough to just go back through your social stats or whatever and see like a photo that did really well and just sit down with everybody, start with the raw file and create a five minute video of how you edited it. And like maybe show, you know, the dozen pictures before and after that, that one image that you ended up putting on social media and talk through in a video. It doesn't have to be that well-produced or long, but just what your thought process was and why you chose that exact one. And then like your editing process, that can be a super easy thing. And I hear this all the time. Like, yeah, you know, I, it looks really cool, but I only have like two ideas. And if people are paying me monthly, what am I going to do to keep them coming back every month? Like, are they, like here's what's awesome about it. And I didn't even realize this myself until I started going. I had like 10 months of content pre-ready, like written out and ready to go. And I realized like I didn't need any of it because what happens is once you post one, two, three things and you get like a couple patrons participating and commenting and all that, it starts to build on itself because somebody will ask a question that is just different enough or just sparks like a new avenue in your brain for it that, that's worthy of writing about and making your own entire post about it. So I did like a bag review in my first month and somebody started asking me about, um, Oh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe it was how I fit 
what lenses do I bring with me or something like that? And, uh, something related to my equipment. So I wrote an entire review at a, a piece of equipment that was in my bag that somebody asked about from that initial review. So, and once it starts to gain momentum like that, it, it snowballs and you start to get, uh, more, more ideas than honestly you can do it. <laughs> uh, if you really dedicate to it, it's also easy to, you know, ignore, but that's one thing I like about the, the monthly recurring, uh, kind of business model, it holds me accountable. If I stop posting quality stuff or if I don't post for a long, long time, people leave. And I start to feel that pressure and that fire, like, oh, I need to get off my ass and like step up. People are holding me accountable. They're literally voting with their dollar every month. So it's a really compelling platform if your brain is motivated by that. You know, plenty of people maybe aren't and would feel defeated every time they lost one patron. You know, it's like, oh, I suck. (laughs) I've seen that as well. So you have to really investigate and be honest with yourself of what might work for you. But um, yeah, it's it's really worked well for me. And I I believe in it. you know, on a deep level for all creators, again, not just photographers and not just educators either. Um, yeah. So <laughs> sorry, I got on a tangent from, from watching, obviously from your own Patreon. And then also it sounds like you're a part of other, whether it's podcasts or other artists that you are supporting. What do you feel like have been things that have been, I I'd just done well, I guess. Um, uh, anything involving, uh, patrons themselves and feeling ownership over the output, uh, particularly, uh, YouTubers or people that do any kind of video content, uh, they'll have patrons, you know, literally in the credit role of the, the, the YouTube video, uh, saying, you know, thank you so much for your support. And like, um, taking people's suggestion and, and not just like going MIA and ghosting everyone once you post the content and never engaging in the comments and stuff like actually making people like patrons themselves feel like they enabled this thing to exist in the world is the most compelling thing and there are just endless creative ways you can come up with that uh, illustrators will do uh, you know like one-off uh, surprise um, caricatures of patrons like people that have supported them the longest they'll just gift them and make it a instructional behind this, you know, tutorial for the benefit of everybody else. But that one patron or, you know, handful of patrons uh, get now a free caricature or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. And, um, yeah, that's now the thing I'm still, again, shocked at is that I haven't seen a larger embrace by musicians, like professional established musicians, Mm -hmm. because it seems so obvious to me, like this is a place to literally let your fans have a, a, a glimpse into your process as a music maker, just shitty wave recordings from your iPhone of like noodling around with a chorus idea and then letting fans see how that translate to an end song when you finally gets gets made uh seems so obvious to me (laughs) so anyway yeah Yeah. i just don't know that many professional musicians myself anymore but one of my favorite uh hardcore bands i just convinced to start uh their name is darkest hour they're based out of uh dc they just started a patreon a couple months ago i got on the phone with uh with them and was like guys (laughs) you have to try this and that's only because i i don't know them i've never met them in person but they uh did a bunch of their records with uh, a guy who did my band's record here in baltimore uh, about four years ago so anyway yeah i'm hoping musicians take it more seriously and you know now you can't have shows with large gatherings so this is like the time to strike on something like that yeah playing playing a hardcore <laughs> hardcore in your living room um watch the live stream yeah. would be interesting <laughs> 
so, so much of those are the experience, but yeah, well, thank you so much for this. And I don't know any, any parting words or encouragements outside of we'd love. And then you also would love for you to just share, like, again, where can people find you and look up your stuff? Yeah. Um, biggest thing I'm most active on is Instagram. I am the Sam, uh, which sounds arrogant. I, I am Sam is always taken. So I just had to add the, the, <laughs> I am the Sam. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, all my Patreon stuff is, uh, patreon.com slash Sam heard. And, uh, I, and again, given the like state of things with just the, the glut of so many people having so much time to fill, uh, being stuck at home, I am a lot of the posts on there are free, free to the world. Like it's, and it's a, flagged post that's totally free so um uh, one of my favorite most trafficked ones is a uh, lightroom optimization post so if you're ever struggling with lightroom being choppy you know having like loading dialogue boxes or just any type of slowness in lightroom uh, i detail basically my steps there's only five steps to like really get your lightroom running as fast as it possibly can like faster than you could ever need to react to in decision making uh Anyway, that whole post is free and there's some other ones. There's a, a commissioned paid another photographer named Ryan Brennazer to write a really well um, constructed post about loneliness and dealing with uh, it. Was, it wasn't related to our current situation. It was actually about the kind of unanticipated consequences of being self-employed and how um, it can be surprisingly lonely <laughs> to work from home as, as a wedding photographer. And you kind of as a wedding photographer, specifically, you get this extreme like your weekends are filled with an oversaturation of hundreds of people that you're surrounded with, like all having the best day of their lives. And then you're Monday through Friday, basically at home in isolation in large part, uh, unless all of your friends are wedding photographers. But uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I generally am at home alone and so is Ryan and so are many other photographers. And anyway, he has a great article that's free to read and yeah, all of it's supported and uh, maintained by the ongoing support of my patrons. So that's incredible. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I hope people go and check out your work or follow, give, give Sam a follow on Instagram. And just again, a challenge that we're going to continue to challenge you on is use this time. Well, start some new habits. I'm going to be starting to do a book report, which I just sort of committed to myself to. And now you all have to hold me accountable, but I'm going to try and do a weekly book report on what I'm reading. And this week is going to be the power of habit. I'm going to be doing sort of a re, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a Cliff's Notes, but then how I'm applying it or how you could possibly apply it and trying to do that a book a week. And so that's going to be coming out on Friday. And yeah, but thanks guys for listening. Be well, stay well, and hope you have fun in the process. See you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.